Welcome to Living a Maintenance Life. I'm the host and creator, Carlos Damien, a.k.a. Los AFFA. This podcast is about our Shogun Warriors. It's about their stories, their perspectives, and insight into their lives. My hopes for this podcast is to have conversations with different maintenance pros from across our group in order to learn each other better. Over my career, I've served as a maintenance pro, MTI, and first sergeant. I've met amazing people from across the globe, but right here and now, I get the privilege to serve with 2,400 maintenance professionals. Here are some of our conversations. Welcome to the Living a Maintenance Life podcast, hosted by Carlos Damien, a.k.a. Los AF Jefe. I have a guest that I've been inspired by since I got over here to the 18th Maintenance Group, a very charismatic leader that needs no introduction, but I'm going to say, go ahead and introduce yourself, ma'am. All right. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Jennifer Rogers. I am the commander of the 18th Equipment Maintenance Squadron. And what is your hometown? Uh, I don't claim a hometown. Uh, I am affectionately known as an Air Force brat. Or would you graduate high school? So I graduated high school from Randolph High School in San Antonio, Texas. So four years there, I'm a proud Rohawk. Randolph Air Force Base. You come from a military background, not just a, a, as a brat. You have uh, siblings as well that serve. Absolutely. So uh, full Air Force family. Uh, and I mean that And that my parents met in the Air Force. My dad was a fighter pilot and my mom was a nurse in the Air Force. Uh, they fell in love at Elmendorf when they were stationed there. Then uh, they had my sister in the Philippines. She's now a maintenance officer as well, stationed at Hill Air Force Base and currently deployed uh, to the desert. And my brother, who's younger, he is an F-16 pilot at Aviano. That is the pedigree that it's next level. It's absolutely amazing that you have that many people that are serving and understand the, uh, the nuances of living that living a maintenance life, but also living an Air Force life. So that's 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 pretty interesting. How does how does your parents' upbringing? How has that influenced you and your leadership style now, and in, and also with your brothers and sisters? So it's funny. Um, you would think. So my dad retired as a as a colonel. He was a an ops group commander and a fighter squadron commander. So you'd think that a, a lot of it would you know my leadership style would come from him. And there is there's some quirks about my personality that are hundred percent my father. Uh, but I think I get it more from my mother. She is incredibly empathetic, very sensitive to, to people's emotions. Um, she is, I think, like you know most potentially parents, uh, the the bedrock, the foundation of, of our family. Um, she was the one that was holding it down. She ended up going reserve uh, after their second assignment, and she was the one that was at home for all of us. So I, I learned a lot from my father about how to be probably more charismatic. He is a social butterfly, as I think you'd imagine most fighter pilots are. She is not. She's more of an introvert. So uh, I learned a lot of how to do things behind the scenes with her. What is a a quote that stands out to you right now? Uh, Is by Mark Twain. All you need in this life is ignorance and confidence, and then success is sure. How does that translate into your day-to-day operations, day-to-day life as a squadron commander? I will tell you that I am by no means a technical expert at all. Uh, the people uh, that work in my squadron, they are phenomenal. And here they are uh, just just killing it every single day. So you have a lot of great maintenance professionals over there. I mean, I, I'm blown away over the last 10 months watching how EMS just performs on a day-to-day basis. 
what do you think makes a good maintenance professional? What do, how do you characterize uh, a great maintenance professional? I think the first thing is the willingness to learn, like to seek out um, things that you don't know. Because I'll tell you, as we as we get on in the ranks, there's just not enough time to to get that technical knowledge. So the the openness and you know the people talk about humility, being able to admit to that that. I don't know. Tell me, please. Uh, make me smarter. Make me understand your job. I think I think that's that's an important thing. Uh, being approachable, I find, is incredibly important, especially as you get higher in the ranks, because people want to come to you. They want to ask you for your signature. They want to ask you for favors. Um, whatever it is that they that they need to make their lives easier. I think if you're not approachable. You know, that's like half the battle's lost already because they're trying to figure things out on their own. And it's really difficult, especially in these times, to, to go alone. So you've had a lot of support throughout your career. You can bounce things off, like you said, your brother. You could bounce things off your sister and, of course, your parents. How has your family supported you throughout your career? Oh, uh, amazing. Uh, I'd never actually planned to come into the Air Force. Uh, I, I had a fear of what was out there without being in the Air Force. And, you know, you get to, to high school and you're looking at college and, you know, is that something I want to do? And it just came down to, well, it's all I know. I, I want to go to the BX. I want to keep my ID card. I'm like 100 percent. That's why um, my mom helped me out tremendously and filling out the ROTC application and uh, ended up getting a scholarship going, lost a scholarship. Fun fact. And it was like, oh, I get to wake up when I want to wake up. Like, I don't have to go to that <laughs> class. Oh, no. It didn't, it didn't work out for me. I had to learn discipline along my college career. But, I mean, my parents support all three of us uh, unbelievably. And they understand, too, the, the lifestyle. And it might, it might change, but at the end of the day, they know what it's like to move. Uh, they, don't know, they know what it's like to lead and, and to deal. So um, incredibly, incredibly fortunate to have them. And then, you know, like you said, my brother, my sister, we give my brother a hard time because he's, he's younger, first off, and he's a, a pilot, and both my sister and I are maintainers, so <laughs> we need to make sure he understands, like, who the crew chief is on the line and, uh, you know, what it is and how much they're, they're out there, and then we need to understand what, what he goes through, too, as, as a pilot and the mission planning and, and all that, so there's a good balance. So you're going from uh, school to school. You have your parents that are in the Air Force. You have your brother in the Air Force, your sister in the Air Force. Lots of scholarship. You're going through all these life. You, you, you went through a significant amount of change in your life. But what makes you you now? How have you uh, self-actualized over the last uh, uh, few years? So I was thinking about this last night um, when I was listening to uh, Sergeant Elliott's podcast. I'm like, how am I going to answer this? What makes me me, and you know, it doesn't even have to be right now. And from a self-actualization standpoint, um, is is the Air Force like? It, and it's not supposed to be in like this big like bleed blue like patriotic way. Like it is just at the core of me, at the core of my family. That is who I am. Um, I define myself by my job. Everything, every memory that I have. Um, Every decision, you know, that I didn't get a chance to make as, as a dependent, it, everything is interwoven. All the opportunities and experiences that I've had 
are because of the Air Force. Uh, I met my best friend because of the Air Force. Like she was in the Air Force. Her dad was in the Air Force. We met uh, when we were 14. Still, she joined the Air Force later. We Every chance we get that we can meet up, we meet up. Uh, and you just, uh, as an Air Force brat, you really don't get those kind of opportunities. So uh, there's things that I've, I've, places I've got to travel, things I've gotten to do, things that, you know, probably have affected me. That, yeah, I, 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 I am the Air Force. That's the only way. I'm going to be very sad when I have to leave. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. You know, there's a definite time that the sun sets on your career. And as that rapidly approaches, I feel a lot of the same uh, angst that I'm going through. So I made a promise, like, if it's for another week, if it's another year, if it's another, you know, five, ten years, I'm going to run. I'm going to run fast. I'm going to run hard and do do the things that uh, um, I'm going to take care of the people that, like, I wanted to be taken care of early in my career. So with that, there's a lot of things in the Air Force, like you said, it's a part of you. What do you like? What do you dislike? I love the the community. Um, I love that you can go to a new base and people understand what you know what you're going through as you're as you're in processing and you're meeting new people and they're very open. I love that you know you're at a base and you, and you can make like lifelong friends and only be stationed there for a year. Like you know, there's people that I met in Korea and we were we were in it together, right? There are pe- people that even at Dafra when I was deployed there, uh, first command. Every commander that I met there, I, I count as like someone I would hide a body for. Not literally, please, OSI. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I, that's uh, I love that about about the Air Force, the connections, the relationships. What I, I dislike, I dislike how there are different admin processes or programs or. Um, you know, uh, compu- I don't, what are they called? The platforms. Yes. Platforms Absolutely. for everything. And they don't talk to each other. And I know that it would be incredibly expensive and maybe it won't make sense to get kind of ones that talk to each other. I know the air force is moving towards that direction in some, in some cases. What would you change? I think we push professional development very well for our, our, our enlisted uh, force. Do we make it a priority? Probably not. Could we give people time? Absolutely. We should. We should program time out. You know, that's not outside of their workday. That's part of their workday to, to focus on that. I think we need to do the same for officers. Um, there is a point in our career where, you know, the expectation is you need to develop yourself. I don't. I don't know when that time is unless you know you have someone like Colonel Ray who is who's making the time. Right. He he canceled a meeting on a Friday so that we could all get together and do academics. That's tremendously part of it. So it's like, oh, I could do other things during that time, but this is important. So we're going to go there, you know, all the all the officers, all the, you know, senior NCOs, if they want to go, like, here's a slot of time. I know Colonel Perez works really hard on, on getting that program together. So in, in making it um, meaningful, uh, Colonel Gebhardt with like the book club and everything he started. I love what's going on in the 18th maintenance group when it comes to professional development. I wish that it can be replicated at other locations. It just isn't a priority sometimes for Absolutely. For us. Oh, I see that all the time. So that that's the change that oh, would yeah. be. Somehow it, have it implemented where it's more in the duty day and it's kind of a requirement, not being like PME requirement. So what keeps you coming? What kept you in? After your first, uh, you know, like that first term and, you know, your ability to maybe change it up a little bit. I don't have a, a family that I have to worry about how it's affecting their life. 
right? I don't have to worry if my uh, son or daughter can't finish high school or, you know, where they, they started high school or, you know, the move is affecting my husband and his job opportunities. I don't have any of that stress necessarily. So I, I just look at it's what I know. It's what I love to do. I love being around people. I love being around maintenance uh, and the kind of people maintainers are. The no holds bar, tell you what they think, the banter going back and forth. You know, this is home. It's your story. And you could be reaching somebody who feels the exact same way. And it's okay to feel that way because that's your story. So along this, since 2006, um, in your entire life, you face, I'm sure, a ton of challenges. Can you tell me about a time that you faced a challenge and how you overcame it and the, the first one that pops out? So a few years ago, I was in a unit that lost an airplane and a pilot. It happened to be our squadron commander. And I know that there are people that have been in units that have lost members of their units, and that's that's so hard because you constantly wonder, what could I have done? Particularly from a maintenance perspective. You know, you think about the aircraft, you think about... You know, the pro super's coming up. Did I ER it properly? Um, you know, the, the crew chief that launched it out, did I do everything? Did I check everything? You know, you're, you're searching for a reason. You're searching for, you know, if you're to blame, if you're not to blame. And sometimes it it's nothing that you could have done, but it still um, really weighs on you. I don't think I'll ever get over that because that was, uh, that was my supervisor. That was, you know, a, a man who had a family. He, I remember he came into work late. Uh, he had to do an interview with potentially our new superintendent and he asked me to move it because he wanted to take his kids to school. And I'm so forever thankful that he had that time and he had a good morning that day. Because uh, he didn't come back. So. So every year that, you know, I think about that. I think about him. I think about the the people uh, that were in our maintenance unit and, you know, the toll that it's taken on them. And but also how it brought us so much closer to. And it, it's tough. I don't know if anyone's really ready for that. You know, in maintenance, you talk about this is an inherently dangerous job. Uh we ask people to do things and to uh, to maintain equipment that is not the newest in in weather in uh, you know climate that that maybe is not the best maybe they're you know who know what's what's going on in their life too and you know pilots are trusting us and I'd say most of the time everything's gravy uh, uh, this is that that incident was the second time I lost an airplane but the first time I lost a pilot so. It's uh, you're never you're never ready. You're never ready for even if a pilot's good for an airplane to go down. So it's I guess I don't know how to tell anyone to be ready. Hopefully no one has to experience that. Well, thank you for sharing that. So back in 2006, you came in, graduated the University of Texas, and you were probably ready to set the world on fire. What would you tell the younger you? 
first, I just want to say I love second lieutenants. Like, I absolutely love second lieutenants. I love, and, and you know, brand, brand new airmen, people coming into the Air Force ready to make change and, like you said, set it on fire. Love it. They're so shiny. And then they become first lieutenants and their their bars change and they get dull and, you know, you get more cynical and, and all that. I don't know if I would tell myself anything different other than just don't get wrapped around negativity. You know, that's just feedback in a different form. People are going to try and pull you down. And uh, it's okay to to not be pulled down by it. I'd also give myself other, as a female, uh, particularly in a maintenance unit, as an officer, I'd say don't don't stand for, for anyone that, that tries to make a pass at you. You know, just call them out and say, I don't appreciate that. What do you use to cope? What do you do to cope to make the, uh, to make yourself be positive in front of others even when it's hard? So first, uh, I, I don't think that uh, my chief or my shirt will agree with you that I am constantly positive. <laughs> uh, you got to let your hair down every once in a while, right? Yeah, of and, course. And as the, the triad or as the four-legged table, even five-legged table because of my section commander, they, they kind of see a side of me that's maybe not so so happy all the time. And generally that's in the morning without coffee. I think I've always been a silver linings kind of person. So just it, there's that optimistic idealist inside of me. I think if you also ask like Colonel Perez or Colonel Gebhardt, they hear a lot more on the phone between peers, you know, as you, I used to be less positive and it just takes up so much energy to, to always stay that way. No one's read the giving tree. Go get the giving tree. It's amazing. You know, it's like, here's this relationship between a tree and this human. And, you know, it, it seems symbiotic at, at first where they're, where they're growing together and there's love and then something else comes into the human's life, like another relationship and the tree is still there. And even though it hurts the tree, right? Like he's carving a heart into the tree and it's probably painful. The tree is still there. And, you know, the tree is willing to get chopped down and made into, I can't remember what it was, if it's, whether it's a house or a swing or, or something, but he cuts the tree down for some reason. And, you know, even just constantly giving, like, I feel like in relationships that sometimes me to, to my detriment, so the last question is going to be, tell me a memorable maintenance story, something that stands out to you. I'm going to take it back. You actually did uh, jar something loose in my head that I, I've known. I just I didn't even consider talking about it. Uh, I'm going to go back to when I was uh, an OIC at Luke Air Force Base. So it was the first time I was an OIC. I was in the 309th uh, AMU, so Mad Mallards from Hell, QQMF. And uh, I had my shirt. And so this, I, I was a first lieutenant at the time. I didn't know what I was doing. I'm not going to lie. I, I, when I became a squadron commander, I didn't know what I was doing. I feel like that's just, that goes back to the ignorance and confidence and you'd be successful, right? Like, I don't know what I'm doing, but as long as I look like I know what I'm doing and it sounds like I know what I'm doing, we're good to go. Uh, and I just, you know, it, like here we are leading people, responsible for all these airplanes. And uh, my first sergeant, I, I didn't really know what a first sergeant did. Uh, I knew they were a great resource. And he, he and I had conversations where he opened my eyes to the people that were in more of like the support function. You know, you think about the chiefs, you think about the first sergeants that are very thankless. They don't get a whole lot of pats on the back for what they do because that's their job at the end of the day. And he told me all he ever wanted was someone to say, I appreciate you. Uh, he is now a chief master sergeant. 
uh, Olsvig. He is actually the commandant of the First Sergeant Academy. Yep. Uh, and any chance that I get, uh, anytime I, I, I see him on Facebook, or he actually was up at Masawa because he was the command chief at Masawa uh, about a, a year or so ago, uh, I, wanna, I always tell him, I appreciate you. And that has been going on for 15 years is, is the opportunity to, to not only tell him I appreciate him, but, you know, looking at people that maybe, especially in maintenance, like what a thankless job sometimes. Like the thank you is the jet took off. You know, the pilot got in and saluted you and off he went. Uh, no one's coming up and patting you on the back. So it's looking at people and saying, I appreciate what you do. Thank you. Uh, and if I can't say it, how can I show it? And uh, I, I got that from him. I know it's not this this great maintenance story, you know, or, or uh, something something crazy happened, but it's something that has always stuck with me of, of appreciation. Thank you for living a maintenance life. Thank you for being on the show. It's been an amazing time. I knew it was going to be a fun time, so thank you. Teammates, again, thank you for listening. If you or anybody you know wants to be a part of the show, hit me up on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, Los AF Jefe. Be happy to have you on the show. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored by the Department of Defense or the United States Air Force. Though we may use name, ranks, and duty titles, this podcast is strictly opinion-based by the member and myself. Cleared off headsets, Los AF Jefe, out.